Hey, Agility Addicts, before we drop into our episode, I wanted to take a quick second here to mention Cody's Creations, one of our fabulous sponsors. Cody's Creations, or Carrie Beck, the creator of Cody's Creations, is a local collar maker out of Massachusetts, but she is nationally recognized and nationally ships nationally. My collars that my dogs wear at Agility Trials have received lots of compliments, and I just wanted to share where I got them from. And as you know, Michelle and I, not only are we huge fans of Cody's Creations, but we don't have a lot of pennies to rub together. Cody's Creations creates custom-designed collars, leashes, and harnesses without breaking the bank. I can't tell you how amazing, amazing her products are, and I highly recommend that you go check her website out. It's C-O-D-Y-S- C-R-E-A-T-I-O-N-S dot com. That will take you right to her Etsy page. Check out her products. You can also email her and ask her for any specifics. I have over 25 products from Cody's Creations. Michelle, probably more. She has a few more dogs than me. And they're just fabulous. She does biothane. She does nylon leashes, customized leather. It's just incredible. So really check her out. Little bow ties if you've got a pregnancy announcement or just want to make your dog look cute, treat totes, you name it, she's got it. So check her out. She supports us. We want you guys to support her. And best of all, you can do so by getting 15% off by using the code STARTLINE at codyscreations.com. And now I'd like to welcome you to our next episode. Thanks so much. Are you ready? Steady. Welcome to Start Line. Every journey is different, but they all start with the Start Line. We're here to edutain you about the world of dog agility. The sport has changed rapidly in just the few years we have been a part of it. Join us as we discuss our journeys, share our successes, laughs, and failures. We will be joined by special guests, and our hope is for you to help us grow the sport we love. Episode 22. Go! Hey guys, it's Michelle and Kara. Today we have a very special guest on the podcast to kick off our judging series, I guess you want to call them. Uh, we have Zach Davis on with us. So Zach, do you want to give us an introduction? Sure. Well, thank you so much for having me. This is really exciting. So yeah, I'm Zach Davis, currently living in Jersey City, New Jersey. Grew up in Oregon and started agility there. And I absolutely love judging. I don't know what else to say. My day job is music composition and theory. So I do a lot of teaching and composing. All right. So yeah, we have some questions for you. But first off, let's let's get into, first off, how did you get into agility and what dogs do you run and how often, sorry, three-part question, how often are you running these days? Because we see you judging everywhere, which we love. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's see. I started agility through 4-H in Oregon when I was, I want to say 11 or 12. We had a neighbor who had two corgis, a Pembroke and a cardigan. And the Pembroke was a fluffy who used to run just back and forth along the fence. And I would sort of be on one side and like chase her and she would be on the other side. And I thought, oh, this is an awesome dog. You know, someday I got to convince my parents to get a dog. I'd sort of been working on that for many years. They had cats. So I was like, okay, you know, someday we're going to get a dog, whatever. It was very much on the back burner. And then one day these neighbors came over, I think to my mom or dad, I don't remember who, and they were like, hey, uh, does your son want our Corgi, our Pembroke? And yeah, just out of the blue. She was like <laughs> four or five. <laughs> and so it turns out the two dogs didn't get along or whatever, and they literally just gave her to us. And wow, that was that's amazing. First dog, once in a lifetime dog. Just absolutely amazing. She ran it uh, four inches and eight inches. We did a bunch of 4-H, a bunch of AKC, all types of companion sports, agility, rally obedience, et cetera, tracking. But yeah, so that, that was my first dog. And we had her all the way up through my senior year of uh, college. So that's yeah. amazing. Yeah, she was she was absolutely the best. 
I also think it's really awesome that you guys, the 4-H out there, we have a 4-H club that does some dog training in a facility near us, but it's always, one of my passions has always been getting children into this sport. I had this dream of going into the schools, you know, pre-pandemic, and discussing with the schools, you have a lot of introverted kids that love dogs, and extroverted, doesn't really matter, but I know- Well, that was me, 100%. I'm still an introvert. (laughs) 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 Meanwhile, I'll talk to a rock, I don't care. (laughs) But yeah, you have all these children that love their dogs, they wanna be athletic, but gym class is stressful, it can be awkward. Why not give them the credits to attend an agility class? And that's kind of, you know, something that I've always dreamed about, but I'm that's I hope post pandemic we can get somewhere with the children and get them more involved in the sport because as you know, we're all aging. <laughs> and for us and to be some of the and, you know, anything youngest. like dog uh, agility related or whatever, it actually gets people outside. Like, you know, we yeah. spent especially these days with the pandemic, we just spend so much time inside. I'm sure we'll get to this later about like you know, how I stand judging at all this, but part of it's just being outside and, you know, seeing a different environment. And I think that's awesome for kids. So I really hope we can get back to that soon. Yeah, yeah. it's really important. Yeah, okay, so what was that, a three-part question? Yes. I, think I probably answered about, like, a quarter of the first part. So. <laughs> um, yeah, so my first dog was Lucy. To sort of truncate all this, I actually don't run a dog right at the moment. Which makes sense because you're judging all the time. Again, (laughs) which we love. I will keep repeating. Anytime you can come up here, please do. (laughs) I will. Yeah, but so my last dog was Polo the Border Collie, who actually lives with my folks in Oregon. Okay. He's getting up there in years, so he's not really um, competing anymore. He liked obedience and rally and things that had a bit more structure to them. Agility was just a bit too over the top. So he's the one that taught me all about course design. You know, okay. designing courses that at least he could navigate safely. I'm not saying he would cue. Well, can we send <laughs> him safely. a thank you note? Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, if I, if I had only had my first dog, Lucy, and I decided to become a judge or something, like I would have gotten hired a total of one time. And that's it. Because <laughs> my courses would have been all like... 18 feet to each obstacle, all kinds of weird turns. Well, here's yeah. how we can tie some your musical talent into this. LaVonda Herring told me once, because she's, I believe that she's a phenomenal course builder, uh, a course designer. And I said to her, I said, there are some people that, you know, I'm not going to say their names, that their courses are just terrible. And she said in all of her years, she's noticed that artists, artists design the best courses. And I don't think she could be any more correct because I have realized I do not have an artistic brain. I have a very symmetrical, very linear, and I was teaching classes. And when I would build just little sequences for my students, they were terrible. (laughs) And so I knew in my head they didn't run well, but I couldn't kind of connect things. I could fix something that was already built. But Mm -hmm. so anyways, that's a talent that you definitely have because your courses are stand oh, standouts. <laughs> I, I honestly feel like it's always a work in progress. I'm what four years into judging now, and I feel like I'm maybe just starting to hit my stride in terms of course design. Well, now, if I'll, it gets better from back, here, I'm ex- like, even more excited. <laughs> I'll look back like two years ago or something, and I'll be like, okay, this is an okay course, but I wouldn't design this now. You know, you start thinking more sort of big picture and saying, okay, you have this ring, how can you maximize it like to its utmost potential? You know, how can you have some jumps in different places that get used multiple times? So you're not just running in one quadrant and then moving to another one or whatever. And, you know, it's these sort of big picture things that I'm literally just learning now. Yeah, so. well, I we you can test them out on us anytime. <laughs> We're happy to oblige, but yeah, I... I I have to say, I hadn't heard about you except for maybe a year ago. My friend mm-hmm. Sarah Osborne down in Virginia with Cannon oh, yeah. Box. Yeah. She was like, Awesome. Yeah. She was like, Have you yeah. run have you run under Zach? Have you run under Zach? I was like, Who is this Zach? I know. And I felt like well, we see, were I used to judge down there all the time, uh, Virginia. Because yeah. I was close to Baltimore talking about our <laughs> Skype username on my thing. But yeah, and so I, the reason why Baltimore caught my name is I grew up, or caught my attention. I grew up in Baltimore, so I was like, oh, oh cool. Yeah, so anyways, I was like, who? And then the first time you were up here that I was able to enter, I don't know if it was the actual first time, was at Showcase for Dogs in Connecticut outside. 
And right, right. I, I mean, I don't know if you remember because you judged hundreds of dogs that day, but <laughs> my dogs were horrible. Um, <laughs> Debbie hadn't been outside in months and she gets the grass under her toes and her brain explodes, <laughs> which Michelle knows all too well. Michelle has one of my dogs and um, she's tried to run her outside and enjoyed that. I mean, to the point where Walter's left the ring before and just gone and said hi to a black lab. Oh, wow. They yeah. really like the grass. They really like the grass, but not for playing agility. So I was Running like, out is such a different story. It really yeah. is. It really is. So that was one of the and first we don't get times. to run outside very often either. No. You hear all the older agility folks say, agility had seasons. It ran April to November. You guys don't know how lucky you are. And, we, <laughs> you know, I love outdoor trials, but I think Michelle and I have discussed this before. We love outdoor trials more for the day camping and camaraderie than the queues because the queues are not good. (laughs) They're not. So anyways, but yeah, that was my first exposure to you. And I loved your courses. I couldn't get my dogs around them for no fault of yours. And uh, yeah, that was the day that I was like, oh, okay. And I literally was like, okay, you know, I'm going to hunt you down. But then, of course, COVID and I had to stay in my bubble. So luckily you came to our bubble often. I guess, yeah, yeah that, that makes it easy. Living in the Northwest, you know, in times of COVID and there's oh. no more 30-day, 200-mile restrictions. So, you know, I get to judge pretty much entirely um, in the Northeast or New England or whatnot. And so, you know, just hop in my car and drive a couple hours. So for better or worse, people out here are getting a lot of me these days. And it's for the better. We love it. Yeah, <laughs> I looked at I looked at our trial secretary's website of upcoming trials and i was like look at zach and zach's back and zach's back again look this is great yeah and then uh, michelle and i were just talking you were just tra- just judged for us in new hampshire and then we're like oh look now you're down at level up with sarah <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah yeah that was a busy few days there's always you know a ton of trials right around uh christmas time <laughs> yeah well let's talk about that because talk us through the process of getting ready for a trial so how many days in advance do you make the courses how long does it take you to make the courses and then kind of just the whole process to the day of trial where you're standing on your feet all day so go ahead and share that experience with us because i think we're i know we in our audience are super curious about that because it's not discussed it's just not Mm -hmm. well some of this stuff can start you know years beforehand i was looking over my um judging assignments right now and i already have a few things on the book for 2024 wow so you know it's like someone reaches out to you you get your contract all ironed out you figure out maybe what classes you're judging of course you never know when it's that far in advance but you know once you have all that then it really sort of kicks into high gear for me maybe about 60 45 to 60 days before you know planning travel, if I have to fly, figuring out what the best fares are, if I can get in and get out, like the evening of the trial, et cetera. And then it's course design. So these days when I'm judging quite a bit, I think last year I did maybe 23 or 24 assignments. And this year is crazy. I have like over 30 because everything's close by. And how many designs are there generally per assignment? Because there that... could be a lot. Especially yeah, there could be like 11 of... in a day or more. Right. So so if I'm if I'm ju- judging down in like South Jersey or something and it's a two or three judge trial, I might only have to design like, you know, five to 10 courses for the whole weekend. Um, right. Or I could be judging somewhere else where it's like a one ring trial and it fills with 350 runs and I could be doing upwards of 12 courses if they have like multiple trials. You know, sometimes with COVID now, they'll have like two excellent trials for standard and two excellent trials for jumpers and stuff like that. So that can really add up. My sort of approach to it has been to try to knock out a set of courses when I'm at an assignment. So I'll go back to the hotel and if I'm, you know, there for three nights or something, I'll try to draft them up one night, you know, sort of do the next sort of stage, you know, check them again, the next day and then really sort of proof them and send them off uh, before I head out. I have a quick question. So I've looked into judging because I said, oh, well, I keep telling myself, you know, Debbie's aging, Debbie's aging. She keeps getting faster. I don't know what's wrong with that dog. <laughs> Although I ba- I know, but I bathed her tonight and I was trying to get the shampoo off her face and I realized it's her white face. Oh, no. <laughs> so sad. oh no. Yeah. But anyways, I was like, oh, let me look into being a judge. And I said, I know course design is going to be a weak point for me, but I was like, I, I just can't even believe 
like memorizing, I, I don't know if you have to memorize them, but talk, talk us through how you know all the challenges for each class. So novice has separate challenges, open has separate challenges, you know, excellent. And then fast, like, are those in your head now after four years? Do you still have to go back and check? I know everything gets submitted to the reps and they check over, but are you finding yourself just in this groove where you know, you know, there's nine challenges for this class and X, Y, Z? I think you really get into a groove. So AKC is awesome about providing a lot of resources to judges. So we have like a sort of a spreadsheet and stuff that says, you know, this class you need X number of options and these are the required obstacles. These are the optional ones, whatever. I've sort of gotten beyond that, but at the same time, you always want to be careful when you're designing courses to make sure you don't like, you know, leave off a panel jump or whatever. <laughs> or the so weeds. I have the Somebody left oh, off the, the weeds. <laughs> But yeah, so no, I, I have this like super informal checklist that I run through on every course. Um, it's literally in one of my notes, but it'll be, be like, you know, make sure you have a panel jump, make sure you have a spread, both spreads, make sure you have a tire, et cetera. And just like run through that, make sure it's, if it's excellent standard, you actually wrote excellent standard on the thing and stuff like that. But you really do get into a groove. And I noticed that because like, I wasn't judging for about five months sort of when the pandemic was really going down, yeah. like yeah. beginning of April, pretty much until, you know, midsummer. And then getting back into course design, I did feel a little rusty. I was like, oh, I got to go back and make sure I'm doing that right or whatever. Just because, you know, if you're cranking out a set every weekend, it just really, really flows a lot easier. So how, if you're making so many different courses and you're judging in so many different, like, let's, you know, like the example of you were in New Hampshire and then you were in Virginia, those are two totally different arenas. How do you keep that creativity flowing on like different courses and setting up different, you know, areas for the dog walk to be and all that kind of fun stuff? Honestly, <laughs> I don't even know. I've thought about that myself because I was like, okay, I'm, you know, literally every assignment is like 10 plus courses. So it's like, how am I not? repeating myself and in a sense you know i think judges are always repeating themselves a little bit because they have you know certain things they do you know maybe you want to rap or whatever just things that you sort of become sort of your signatures on a course or whatnot yeah. so i do repeat myself i would say but i try my best to make each course unique so you know there's elements that are, that are sort of continuous throughout all my courses but you know also, like you're saying about the different arenas and stuff, just the dimensions of arenas, you know, plays into it so much. I mean, some of them you physically can't have the dog walk going two directions because, you know, you know it's like a long and narrow kind of thing. So you couldn't have it going, you know, the other way. So Right. Yeah. And how do you find working with, with different venues that maybe have poles or they are the long and narrow? Right. Uh, polls, I actually don't mind that much. I almost oh, see them... you are rare. <laughs> Every judge I've spoke to. A parameter instead of a constraint. So I'm just like, okay, well, here are these poles. I can, you know, put some sort of pinwheel. I can nest the poles against, nest the jump against the poles or whatever. Um, I honestly don't find it that hard. The caveat is I haven't, I don't know. There's this like infamous arena up in, um, uh, where is it? Oh, Missouri. Minnesota. Minnesota. Yeah. That's the one that oh, we saw. That have, that have like two million poles, and I yes. never judged that. So maybe if I come back like two years from now, I'll be not poles terrible. <laughs> That's so funny that you say that. Michelle and I somehow, someway, were watching a YouTube agility video. No, it was a it was a fellow toller agility oh. person. I saw it on YouTube. Yeah, and Michelle was like, "Check this out," and it was like pole 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 pole. I was like, "Cause no, I, I've seen I've seen videos. I think from some of those places and. It almost looks like there's a wall. There's so many poles. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the disconnect. We have what four poles at Surefire. Yeah, four poles. Yeah. Um, and and I, there's a place Pinnacle Sports in Ohio that I go out to too. They have poles. I think they have four poles as well. See, and, four is man. Yeah, and so we we're aware of them. We we complain about them, but I think the biggest thing is that they just break connection with the dog, and then yeah. sometimes the judge or the course layout will just be like the pole is in an awkward spot and we always will joke and say, I wish you could move this pole over a little bit, but I can't imagine designing around them. Cause you know, you have this free space and you're like, Oh, but wait a minute, the pole. So, yeah, exactly. One, one, one of my fears, well, before COVID, um, I used to judge a lot in the Midwest and I'm sure I'll get back out there at some point, but you know, a lot of the venues there have poles. And one of my fears was going to a new venue that I somehow missed the pole. Oh yeah. You know, 
you know, you somehow have, you get the template and then you delete the little marker that says there's a poll there and you design all your courses not knowing there was a poll there. I've never done that, but I have fears well, like that. Good for you. We've seen people forget polls. We've seen people forget where the entrance and exit is. We've seen people completely reverse the, the template. I mean, I've, I've seen a lot. Yeah. 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 I've seen a 90 by 90 ring only use like 60 by 60 in it. I'm like, what is this? <laughs> so yeah, we've, we've seen a lot, but. Yeah, I think it's just fascinating. But speaking of, you know, pandemic and pre-pandemic, you know, give us your opinion on judging in a pandemic. You you heard our last uh, podcast where we discussed that. And, it's, you know, Michelle and I pretty much ride the middle. We're not we're not hiding that this is, you know, dangerous times. We, we play as, as safely as we can. At the same time, you know, part of this for me is mental health. If I don't get yeah. out of this house and these four walls, I'm going to go crazy. <laughs> yeah, no, I think we're... 100% in agreement for this. Like, you know, I feel really grateful to be judging, especially after that five month hiatus. So, you know, although it can be difficult now, I have, you know, no problem standing out in the ring for 10 hours wearing a mask. No, you don't. And you I, did it in Connecticut. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just, you know, fingers crossed we can get this vaccine at some point because as soon as I'm eligible, I'm, yeah. But no, it's, it's a tough landscape to navigate. I, you know, I, I get that anything right now is there's an inherent, you know, level of risk. And, you know, I hope agility is not too high up there. I I love that a lot of venues, especially during the summer and stuff, are outdoor or, you know, undercover and stuff like that. And there's tons of restrictions about how many people can be places. It really, really sort of just changes the whole dynamic of agility. It's amazing to think back to when we had like 60 people out in a walkthrough. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Now it's like down to groups of 10 or whatever and, you know, we're stretching into the early hours of the evening just to get everyone out of there. Yeah, it's yeah. it's definitely it's a, a whole new world. Interesting environment. But I again, I just feel really fortunate and grateful to still be able to see all these awesome teams, you know, experience this wonderful sport. And I have to say, I do personally feel safe. At, again, I know I just said I have to get out, but there's other activities. Like, I mean, my husband and I went hiking a lot during the, um, you know, stay at home orders. But I do really feel safe at Agility for several reasons. One, this is not the general public. We know every single person's, person that's there. We can track them. We can trace them. Um, mm-hmm. You know, not here to have a debate about contact tracing because I know some people are like, they don't do it. Whatever. It's easy to do at an Agility trial. That trial secretary has every single person's name, number, phone number, and address that was there. And the other thing is, you know, we can be distant, particularly in the ring. And while you do have people running by you, because the judges, the judge and the secretary are some of the most exposed people, you, we're not that close to you. There's, there's been only yeah, a handful of times in my life where I've ever, and it's mostly in the fast class, where I have to be, I'm coming your way. You know, other than that, I'm exactly. That's easily really 10 feet. Yeah, I'm easily 10 well, feet. I also man. really appreciate it out here how um, exhibitors are required to wear masks when they're yeah. running. Because, you know, you don't think about it. There's a judge standing out there for potentially, you know, double digit number of hours per day. And just to have that many people go by them, even though it's it's not close, like you said, you know, contacts were supposed to be 20 feet or less away. So 20 feet's a good bit of distance. But I'm very grateful that, you know, everyone masks up for the. I did take I did have issue with that. I've always worn my mask. I dropped it a few times in Pennsylvania when we could. But I right. always thought that didn't make sense. The one time you're huffing and puffing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, trust me. I don't like running with a mask. I'm like huffing and puffing. Yeah, I, I, I've never tried that. I'm sure I'm sure it's a chore. <laughs> it's There's sometimes I get upstairs. And I'm like, because, you know, where we trial, we end up going upstairs. I'm like, <sighs> and I'll, you know, I'll, I'll have to go outside sometimes. So, but it's something that we deal with. I'm happy, happy to wear it because I do feel badly for the judges that, you know, why do I get to drop it and basically, you know spit all over you and then you know go and protect everybody else it kind of was that was the one thing in the guidelines i was like we're really not caring about the judge or ring crew here yeah because we're we're basically talking the most and the loudest and yelling and you know screaming to keep them off course and all that while we're out there so it just makes sense to keep the mask on but yeah but we're super glad that you feel comfortable and we'll always try and keep it safe in New England for you to come back. <laughs> well, it's, it's been a great experience all around, especially, you know, out here in the Northeast of New England. So, so what would you say an average day is like? So you've flown in either the night before or morning of you, you get to the trial kind of, you know, walk us through your, your process for I'm here and I have a trial. An average day 
honestly only gets better because I am not a morning person at all, <laughs> at all. Like the ideal day for me would start probably around nine or 10. And I feel like I'm most- like, the, That's a day half over, Zach. <laughs> I'm most creative in terms of course design or whatever, like after midnight. Yeah, late at so night, you're one of those. That's exactly a, you know, schedule that works well with uh, judging. But yeah, so literally the first five minutes of the day are the worst and it gets better from there. So once I'm actually awake, you know, then you get up, head to the trial site. Sometimes you get lucky and you don't have a long drive. Sometimes you'll look it up and it'll be like 20 minutes from the hotel yeah. to the show site, which kind of sucks. Yeah. Especially, yeah. It's like, you know, 8 a.m. start time or whatever. But yeah, you try to get there an hour ahead of schedule. I'm also a VMO. So if there's some new teams that need to be measured, obviously now with COVID, you know, um, different clubs and judges sort of take a, various approaches not everyone's measuring now etc but yeah so i use the hour before the trial starts to set up the first course get people walking measure a few dogs just make sure i you know have everything in order and ready to go and then they just start and once once it starts it's really unrelenting like i i had you know a lot of experience trialing and you know like back in the day when there's only a AKC only had like three classes you could do or whatever. It could be a really long day with like a lot of just sitting around, especially you have a dog that's pretty docile. So for me, judging is just the polar opposite where once you get going, you just move. And I don't like taking a lunch break or anything. So I just plow through and try to. Yeah, I noticed that at one of the last <laughs> trials, Amber was like, what would you like for lunch? And you're like, this is awkward. I don't want lunch. And she's like, soup, you want soup? Yeah, just a little cup of soup. She's like, the cups are really sp-. It was just funny. It was a funny exchange. And I got to witness. I, I was like, yeah. I was like, my biggest problem is I ate too much for lunch at the Julian. I'm like, I have three more runs to do and I'm dying. The funny thing is that like some variation of that conversation happens at almost every trial. Because <laughs> sure. yeah, every, everyone wants to overfeed me and I pretty much don't want to stop. <laughs> yeah, well, I noticed that too. Because um, the first trial I had actually run under you was at the Westfield massachusetts trial outdoors where it was two rings but one oh, judge yeah yeah those are the hardest <laughs> yeah you get no break yeah. on those whether you want one yeah, or not you, you don't were, get it you were just like all right walk to the next ring you would walk it and tweak it and you're like okay good to go and i'm like when is he stopping <laughs> well speaking of stopping let's take a quick commercial break hey agility addicts i have a really cool sponsor to tell you guys about that i actually went after walter recently got his mock well, I know, surprising. And I wanted to celebrate it with his fan club. And so I wanted to bring something special. And we all know mock cakes are kind of off the table right now. They're not very COVID friendly. So I wanted something such as cookies, which could be individually wrapped. I checked with a bunch of local bakeries. They were booked way out. It wasn't, an, you know, or they were prices that I was found a little pricey. So I looked online and even though they're local to me, I found a really cool company called Wicked Good Cookies. Now, in New England, wicked means very or super, and they live up to their name. They have $5 flat rate shipping nationwide. So whether you live in Tacoma, Washington, or Sarasota Springs, Florida, you can get these cookies for 5 bucks. If you live locally or you're at a trial I'm going to, I'm happy to pick them up for you. They'll give you some extra cookies. But they've also done us a deal because I explained to him all about you know, agility and how we celebrate and mock cakes and how we need cookies instead and COVID safe. And for 15% off using the discount code STARTLINE, Wicked Good Cookies is honoring our discount, which is super cool. So please go check out wickedgoodcookies.com. You can also get them if you're local to New England through DoorDash, Grubhub. They're just in Boylston, Mass., 15% off your order. They can put anything you want on picture-wise. These are great for kids going back to school. It's also wonderful for weddings, birthdays. You can't be there. You can send a box of cookies. But more specific to agility for your championships or even just a great title or just, hey, let's make agility fun again. Check out Wicked Good Cookies and use a discount code STARTLINE to save 15% today. And we're back. <laughs> So, yeah, I just I'm I'm fascinated with the fact that you can just keep going because I so I chair a lot of trials. I have one coming up and I totally hear you on the mornings. Now, I am a morning person. However, 
I it is not my favorite time to get there first thing in the morning, especially the first day. It is like organizing chaos. And yeah. it's just the setup, the making sure the judge. So why we try and feed you is because we're like, you came and did this great thing for us. We want to make you feel good. What's one of the ways people make people feel good is get them food. <laughs> Can we get you food? Like there's, you know, we're always anyway. So it's amazing how many moving parts there are. Oh, my God. Oh, you know? Yeah. Yeah. People don't realize there was a woman that posted on one of it was go with the flow or one of the groups, the agility <laughs> groups the other day. And she said something about what's your checklist for getting a trial ready? And I totally hyper focused on my day of checklist. And I was like, remember your emergency forms. Remember your judge's gift, your this, that and the other thing. She goes, no, no, no. I haven't even gotten there. How do you start a trial? And I was like, oh, let me tell you the application the this, that, that <laughs> it's un believable and i still have many members of my clubs that do so much of the legwork uh you know we have we have club members that even though you chair and you're the responsible one you couldn't do it without those club members that are doing all those right. other little tiny menial tasks so yeah exactly moving parts are incredible it's, yeah. it's amazing especially as a judge say going to a place you've never judged at before and you hardly know anyone and just how many moving parts all come together to make it happen yeah and you know almost always like fairly seamlessly. Yeah. And it's, and then yeah. it becomes fun. There's a lot of camaraderie. I've, you know, yeah. I think we all can remember when we were novice exhibitors, we didn't know how to work or do anything. And Michelle and I always talk about volunteering. And one of the pluses of it, besides moving the trial along faster, is you get to know, I've gotten to know so many judges and so many other experienced handlers. And you get closer to people because you are working and taking on those responsibilities. And then we all kind of, you know, talk and enjoy each other. And course building has been one of the more recent things in the past year for me. That's really opened up my horizons and not only understanding, I was scared about coordinates and all that stuff. And now I'm all about it. And you even get to talk to the judge even more because Roger O'Sullivan was probably one of the first judges I got to know pretty well. He walked out on one of his courses that we built per his dimensions. And he goes, wow, this sucks. I'm sorry, guys, this sucks. And he tweaked a whole bunch of things and he was really apologetic. And we're like, okay. So, yeah, it's, yeah, you should volunteer to get to know more judges. <laughs> yeah. No, absolutely. And I think as a judge, I can speak for all of us saying that we can never have enough volunteers. So right. I very much echo that sentiment. Right. And unfortunately, so, you know, I got into this sport not that long ago, probably six or seven years now. And, you know, there's always been the systemic issue of not having enough volunteers. And I'm like, I'm going to stop this and help this. I'm trying. I'm not giving up. But I'm just saying everybody that's been in agility for 20, 30 years has said the same thing that I now know. And I wish if we could come up with a solution. I've seen people try and pay. It almost doesn't matter how much money you put out. Uh, our trial secretary is really good. She'll pay you in gift certificates. There's lots of creative things I've seen. You know, they'll bring in really good food and they'll say, oh, only if you volunteer do you get this really good food. Mm -hmm. But there ha there is not a clear solution. There are those that work and there are those that don't. And there are more that don't than do. Definitely. Yeah. 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 That's it. Um, and it makes it even harder now. <laughs> it really does. <laughs> it really does. And Michelle has really stepped up to the plate with course building. So, you know. You try and get paid when you can, but, you know, I've encouraged her to join some clubs to help us get these trials. And I'm like, this isn't a paying job, but you've got my help. And I've even sucked my husband, who doesn't do agility, to come and help course build for our next trial. So, yeah. So speaking of that, I know how tough course building is and running my dogs and doing all that stuff. Let's get to the elephant in the room. How in the world do you stand on your feet all day? You I have no clue. <laughs> I really have no clue. Again, it's just it's just sort of about getting in a rhythm and mm -hmm. having good shoes, for yeah. sure, 100%. I, I just stock up on any type of, like, sort of tennis-slash-running shoe that's all black because it can go with any, you know, sort of formal outfit and kind of pass as a dress shoe. Yeah, so what is the dress code? Because I noticed that, obviously, judges dress at a higher caliber. You're not – you don't look like an exhibitor, and, you know, it's not super formal, but most people are definitely – dressed in a presentable manner, which I appreciate, but at the same time, I'm like, how is that comfortable? Yeah, um, I don't tend to pick super uncomfortable clothes, I guess. Um, there definitely is a dress code, like you're not supposed to wear jeans, or you're not supposed to have like a tank top, or I don't know, you know, random stuff like that. But aside from that, like my sort of go-to thing is just, you know, decent pants, some kind of t-shirt, some kind of shirt or whatever, and like a blazer thrown on top of it. So it's pretty like adaptable to the elements. 
but yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe also it's easy for me because I come from the background of music and whatnot. Yeah. So for judging, it feels like I'm dressing down compared yeah. to like what really <laughs> it feels pretty comfortable. <laughs> yeah. Now jumping on the side of being a judge and being in the ring, what are some things that you wish exhibitors or clubs should know? From a judging perspective, if you could get across to all the clubs and exhibitors out there, what's something that you're like, as a judge, I wish you knew X? Ooh, that's the best question of all time. <laughs> it's I mean, also tough. I don't want to. I don't want to sound like I'm complaining the whole time either. <laughs> you are not. Trust me, you no, are not. No. We we as exhibitors want to. There are a lot of us that also want to make the judge's life better. And after obviously listening to this podcast, we'll understand how much work you put in. I remember somebody was talking on the forums. Oh, they they come and they make you know X amount of dollars, even though they work like twelve hours a day. I'm like, you guys did not incorporate course design pl- mm-hmm. travel right. planning you know life planning i mean you have to deal with the emails that come in that got you booked through 2024 that took time yep so <laughs> i i think and some of them are working around a full-time job so then you have yes. to navigate around that so yeah i mean you definitely yeah, have okay. another schedule to start that question i want to flip it on its head and say the thing that i like the most but that i don't think i communicate to exhibitors that much just because i'm so busy and that's that it's so cool to judge in different parts of the country and see teams like progress throughout their lives. Yeah. Like to see a dog in novice and then to have them get their mock under you. Or something yeah. Like you that. said that about That's Sarah amazing. at the invitationals. Um, what you said that about Sarah Osborne at invitationals oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. because you, you're like, Oh, I've judged this team for quite a while now. And Sarah and Cannon literally, I mean, they've always been good, but they literally came together hardcore this year. And it's, you know, she's just been astounding. Great representation of the breed. I'm super proud to have her as a friend and somebody that represents our breed. And you had said that because you announced super favorite <laughs> announce, favorite announcer for invitationals. You had mentioned that. Well, that was so. fun. <laughs> you were really, really good. I, you yeah, know, you did a great job. You don't speak a lot as a judge. You know, I hear your no. table count and that's about it. And you say, oh, you that know. That is about it. Yeah. yeah. So nice run. I was like, okay. So when they said you were announcing, I was like, cool. Somebody that knows. But you just, you nailed it. I mean, of yeah. course, you also said my dog ran like a bullet, and that was her best run that she <laughs> saved for last. I mean, that helps. But, <laughs> it, yeah, no, I mean, yeah. Anyways, I don't mean to deviate from what you wish exhibitors no, would know. That, that, was, that was a fun, I will continue to deviate further for a second, but that was very fun, getting to, um, you know, provide commentary on the finals along with the, the broadcaster from AKC TV. And that all came together in, like, the last week beforehand. Uh, Carrie, the director of agility, called me up and, asked if I wanted to do it. I was like, well, I've never done that before, but it sounds like fun. So let's give it a try. <laughs> I, I think it's important to the exhibitors to have somebody that sort of knows them. So last year, there's there's a wonderful woman on the West Coast that did the announcing, but she, you know, she would right. always call me Debbie and Cara. And I'm like, hmm. Even though I spell out my name. <laughs> and then last year for finals, it was Diane Patterson, who's local to us mm-hmm. here. And she did a wonderful job as well because she's like, oh, I know this team. And I think it makes us feel we're super nervous. And so it makes us feel more comfortable to have. And I know you don't know me, but you've 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 seen me go from the dog that charged the fence and couldn't even get in her dog walk <laughs> outside in Connecticut to, you know, placing second. awesome runs up in uh, New Hampshire. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. So. It's nice to know that you've seen that progression and that you recognize it. I like that you answered it that way that you to see the progression of the handler teams. Yeah, Yeah, that's like hands down the most fun part, but just not something I can literally communicate to everyone because I am judging all the time, trying to do paperwork or trying to get in, you know, that we didn't talk about that, that quick snack break while you're doing paperwork. Yeah, that's one. So I actually do eat. But, (laughs) um, But back to that question. So. The thing I wish exhibitors knew the most, probably of anything, uh, is that we don't remember your runs. We yeah. really don't. Yeah. Like, you know, um, if you come up at the end of a fast class and say, like, so I did this, blah, 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 and my dog got this point, there's an overwhelming chance I won't remember it. And that's not because you're not an awesome team or anything like that. It's just because, at least for me personally, I'm super in the moment when I judge. And then as soon as that run is done, I just get in the moment for the next one. And... There's something about that where you almost sort of like have to, you know, erase that part of your memory and just start over. And unless there's something super distinct, you know, if you have a question or whatever, absolutely come over and ask. Maybe talking through your run saying, oh, we went through this, you know, we did the A-frame this way or whatever, 
might ring a bell. I might be like, oh, you know, the A-frame was only one directional and fast, so you went the other way. So that's why you didn't get your point, or you were over time, or maybe there was a error on the sheet that I need to correct, or whatever. But yeah, I won't remember your run. That is super yeah. helpful to know. First off, yeah. let's put it in perspective. I don't remember some of my runs after I literally just <laughs> ran them. <laughs> I, I literally, yeah. I, I come upstairs and, and my and friends some... are like, how did you handle two to three? I was like, what's two to three? I have no idea. <laughs> I, honestly, finals run after the dog walk, the push to the backside. I don't remember a thing. I must have been on so much adrenaline. I blank, blacked out. But yeah, that's, I think that's important for us to hear because let me tell you, we have been enabled by some judges I have overheard discussions where somebody goes and asks a question. Oh, you had that beautiful run where you did blah, 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 blah. So then some people might assume that, mm -hmm. you know, people can memorize. But I think that's valid. Nobody should expect you to have the brain capacity. I mean, I know you're very smart, but how do you go from like, I couldn't, that, that takes up so much brain space. So much. That brain being space. said, you, like you said, you definitely do remember runs. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah, you yeah. 100% do. Um, it's just not the ones you like need to remember. Like <laughs> you'll just remember some random run. But if someone has a question, you know, about something, if, I feel like that's never the run I actually remember. Or <laughs> I'm judging somewhere and someone had a question about a call or something. It was like 350 dogs, one judge. It was like 16 inch, 12 or 16 inch excellent standard. And I was like, oh, can you refresh my memory? Like who, you know, which dog did you have or whatever? And she was like, oh, I'm the lady with the Sheltie. <laughs> okay so there was like you know probably 15 to 20 ladies with shelties in that jump height so <laughs> didn't yeah exactly that's like saying i have the black and white border collie yeah yeah <laughs> although i was i'd like oh, to ask I, I was just gonna say i'd like to ask sally gitchner if she remembers the uh run i lost my shoe <laughs> no we remember this kind of stuff you yes. have something super distinct or i was the dog I, I had the dog who did you know x y and z or i'm the whatever you know you might remember yeah. <laughs> Definitely increases your odds. All yeah, right. if, you're, if you're judging 350 runs, yeah. you know, it's kind of hard to just remember that. <laughs> right. Also, like, <laughs> if, you've been, if you're judging 350 runs, it might be harder to, say, remember a dog in the middle of a 20-inch class versus, like, one of four dogs in novice. You know? Yeah. It's all, it's all about context, too. Right. And speaking of context and remembering, what is your most memorable run or experience judging? What's the one that stands out? Ooh, okay, two things. First of all, like hands down, judging invitationals. That was just such an honor to do. And yeah, it was it was such a, you know, turbulent year. But no, that was that was such a wonderful experience and it felt like it was over way too fast. I think the, the last thing I was judging was like twenty four inch jumpers round four or something. We I mean, had like a bunch of different groups. I was like, Oh my god, I'm almost at the end of the last group. It's already over. You know, after literally multiple years of anticipation. But aside from that, literally going back to my other thing, just watching teams progress all across the country is definitely the most rewarding thing. Super, super fun to see. Yeah. Especially, especially those like novice A teams or even novice B or whatever. But you know, those teams that you just see throughout their whole sort of agility life trajectory, it's really, really fun. Yeah, that's like my friend Melissa with the Irish Setter Tempo. I remember a year ago, well, maybe two years ago now, we were all, you know, pre-COVID, hanging over the balcony at, at the place where we trial in, in right, right. New Hampshire. And, you know, we all kind of take a break during novice and open. And she was in either a novice or open class. And I remember all of us went silent, watched her run, and we're like, that one's going somewhere. And mm -hmm. then they just kept coming together. And ju and now we're like, yeah. do you ever end queue? <laughs> um, like didn't you just get your mock yesterday now you got mock too yeah yeah so um which is funny because she calls debbie miss perfect and last <laughs> double trial debbie queued once out of eight runs once that's <laughs> um, my fault of course but anyways it's just fun to see i i agree with you and i don't even get the front row seat we get the spectator view so that must be even more cool from your perspective so thanks for sharing that yeah, it really really is yeah and i and i um when i started with agility with my novice a dog uh shayla gutierrez was mm -hmm. the judge that i got my very first cue under and i had been a novice for almost two years with this dog like she's she's a very difficult dog to run because you she's... were also in a height class you shouldn't have been in and she was dropping bars that's true but uh -huh. she, <laughs> we, cha we challenged her measurement later and got her remeasured. But yeah, and I remember that trial, I was sitting down, you know, when we were allowed to crowd 
And she had walked by for like a bathroom break or something. And she was like, you have an amazing toller. And just that comment to me from the judge was just like, I mean, it completely blew me away. I'm like, oh my God, oh my God. She made a comment about, you know, about her. And then it was actually, it was actually Shayla that we got our very first mock under. Oh, at very the same cool. time. She's an awesome judge. We haven't judged together for a long time. Yeah, I, I love her. And she's and she's been judging for a lot of trials that we've gone to. And she's judged for the Toller Club a lot. So we've gone out to like judges dinners together with the club. And and it's been really cool. So it was it was very nice to to kind of experience that very first cue and then also the very first mock together because that's so cool. Yeah. So it's really nice to hear you say that too. Cause it is nice when the judges can have that like interaction and then they remember the teams and you have that little bit of personability with them. Yeah, I think a lot of know, people get back... caught up that they're just a the person in the middle of the ring sometimes. Exactly. And you know, going back to talking about remembering dogs or whatever, I really do try to make a note of like the novice and open dogs and you yeah. know, go and tell someone if they had a nice run or whatever. Obviously, I'll do that in Excellent Master too. But, you know, it, it's really fun to find those people who maybe just started agility or just have a new dog that was, you know, super difficult to train and they finally got that first cue or whatever. It, yeah. it means so much to them. I remember as a novice, there were a few judges that said a couple nice things or just one judge, I forget who it was, which is terrible. I know I know her face. I just don't know her name. I think it was Michelle Fletcher. Michelle Fletcher. Mm -hmm. She said... Stress out there, fun in here. And, you know, we're all like, oh, so nervous. And I went in and my dog was terrible. My dog, my dog actually jumped. There was a tire and my dog jumped beside the tire, but actually like it was jumping through the tire. It was the funniest <laughs> thing in the world. It's like, what are you doing? And, you know, and then I was able to laugh because, you know, we're so nervous. We have literally a person judging us. We have people watching us. We have people sitting in the ring. We're so, now I, I don't even care, you know, I don't even care. I'm just like, you, know. you, you get to master excellent. You're just, you know, you've been there for, I remember when I was a novice person, they were explaining the courses to me, the levels to me, you know, you have novice, open, excellent standard or masters. And they're like, you live in masters forever. I'm like what? And I'm like, wow, I've been here for like five years. Yep. Yep. This is where I live now. <laughs> so, but yeah, it's, I, I thank you, you know, for being that judge. Cause there are some judges that, don't give you the time of the day. They're mean to the novice people. They're like, get in the ring. And it's like, really? You can be mean to a master's person that's taking too long to get in the ring, but a novice person that's fumbling and already nervous, and now you're going to potentially, I don't want to put it on the judge, but potentially ruin their run because now their nerves are over the top. There's no reason to be that way. There's no reason. So, And again, yeah. if we're going to get more people in this sport, if you have a terrible first experience with a crotchety judge, you know, luckily, I will say, they're, they're not around much anymore at all. There's not many judges that I could ever say, mm -hmm. he was. My comment, comment now is, not a fan of the courses, but lovely person. You know, <laughs> that's been my right, right. comment lately for somebody that I'm like, mm. but yeah. But you know, as judges we can't forget that we're here because of the exhibitors. Like if there weren't exhibitors, we would not be here, period. Full a stop. Few, a few years ago, some some forgot that vision. I will say that. It has been wonderful lately, particularly in the pandemic. Yeah. I don't think anybody's been grouchy or terrible in uh, over a year. I've had wonderful experiences, so. But. Yeah, same here. That's, and you know, on the opposite end of the spectrum, Almost like I've, I've judged, you know, thousands and thousands and thousands of dogs, thousands of teams. And overwhelmingly, I've had only positive experiences. You know, I maybe had a couple instances here and there where someone wasn't happy with a call or whatever. But it's like three or four times out of literally, you know, thousands of dogs. So it's super awesome. I've, you know, I've had some times where I've had a call and I'm, you know, storm out of the ring. And I would say nine times out of ten, if not a hundred percent of the time, it it was a good fair call it was correct so i'll never forget the time nick carlton were friendly and so i did an a-frame and debbie is always in her a-frame i ran by it was like a-frame and then the final jump and he called it and he said nice try and i was like i gave him the dirtiest look went upstairs <laughs> and i was like it's only because we're friendly that he called that contact he probably just felt pressured to and then finally i went and watched the video there was a videographer there and i was like oh Dog was out. <laughs> she was out. And then I went and I apologized. I was like, I don't know if you know this, but I was like sneering at you. He goes, oh, I saw it. And I was like, I apologize. So, yeah. And, and the way I look at it, too, is you're human. Right. I find the judges miss things more than they 
call things incorrectly. You know, hundred percent. And I've seen a judge call something incorrectly, and then their brain go, "Oh no, no, no!" And they're like, the, "They're at the scribe, no, no, no." You know, it happens. You're like, "Oh, oh, no, sorry." Exactly. So, or like, yeah. As a judge, I would rather call something and then retract the call after the run, yeah. versus not call someone something and then have to add it later. You know. Yeah. I don't want to be that super super mean. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think I think you're very fair. There's there's definitely everybody on the spectrum. But and I think what's important too is consistency. It's yes. not just you know. For sure. Yeah, if you're gonna, if there's a couple dogs that are maybe sort of in the refusal, that's we're getting close to that third, uh, close to the obstacle, third of distance, and then you know, but you're like, eh, enough dogs have done it at that same spot. I'm not gonna call that, you know. And then the one judge is like, not doesn't call, it, doesn't call, it, doesn't call, it. and then all of a sudden calls it. I'm like, you let ten dogs before not do it. Why? Where's your consistency? Yeah, yeah or, exactly. you know, the stringent judge that calls and calls. And it's like, okay, well, this one's heavy on refusals, but legit that, you know, you broke the plane. Right, yeah. yeah, like like not 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 calling uh, just like a, a super like black and white fault on one dog just does everyone else a disservice. But yeah. no, you're totally right that it's super easy to miss calls too. Like my first dog ran in four inches. And I remember we had at least two double cues, like they were on grass and she dropped a bar so we just went home. We're like, okay, well, you know, it was on jumpers last round of the day. We're like, okay, well, you know, that wasn't a double Q. And then we checked the results like two months later and it said it was a Q. Because, yeah. you know, it's the last jump on the thing. You can hardly even see the bar yeah. above the grass. Right, yeah. So, you know, that, that kind of stuff happens. So if anyone's ever like grumpy about a call and I don't remember it or whatever, and again, it's like three times out of, you know, a million dogs. But, um, you know, it's, it's always it's always helpful to remember that you know, it, it works both ways. You can definitely get some gifts from time to time. Mm. Yep. Oh, yeah. We're all... <laughs> <laughs> I will never, ever complain. And I know it's risky to say anything in front of a judge, but I don't care. It, it holds <laughs> me accountable. I'll never complain. I've had gifts on my dog walks. I've had gifts. Yeah. I've had blatant, had blatant yeah. gifts. So if a call, there's been a couple calls that I've been like, mm. but I'll turn to people and like, you should go talk to the judge. I'm like, no, 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 no. This balances out. This is karma. I'm fine. <laughs> yeah, no, I hear you. That's that's. I think that's the perspective we as judges love to hear, for sure. Because, you know, ultimately everyone is human. Right. You know, yeah, if they I'm start doing old? those electric contact things where you get buzzed on your wrist or something, I'm done. Oh, yeah. I'm out. <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> I excel in agility because of the human component. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I can say that now that Debbie, after five years, has a 90% solid running dog walk contact. We did it. You know, judging contacts is definitely, I'll say, one of the more engaging parts of judging. I won't say it's the most fun. Uh, in terms of engaging, anything that's sort of marginal, you know, a marginal yeah. contact, a marginal refusal, things that keep you on the edge of your seat, except I'm not sitting, so whatever. But <laughs> on, on the tip of your toes. <laughs> My toes. You know, stuff that keeps me on the tip of my toes, uh, that, that, that's, that's kind of fun, to be honest. Yeah. Well, you know, I, you know, it's just one person that we actually, we'd really like to interview her is Oksana, really makes mm -hmm. judging contacts fun. She gets right down and you're, oh, yeah, yeah. every video I have of her, she's like really judging them. So uh, yeah, it's, it's fun. It's yeah. But anyways, we shouldn't take too much more of your time. We have a couple more questions and then, you know, I really want to thank you for, dedicating this time to you and michelle and i always try and keep these under an hour and we always go over <laughs> yeah, we, we never because <laughs> no, literally thank you this has been such a pleasure and i can't wait to hear the last couple questions yeah michelle sure got your questions and i'll leave in shame but <laughs> <laughs> no i think they're good they're good <laughs> michelle you want to hit those up yeah so let's see i think we got maybe like two or three left here so since we were talking a little about courses and design, how do you handle feedback on your courses? Do you often mm. get feedback on certain areas or do you have your own feedback for courses? Like maybe something didn't work in person then it looked like it would on paper? Yeah, so 100% the best feedback is having to stand out in the middle of a course and watch 150 dogs run it. Yeah. That is hands yeah. down the best feedback and you know, the best um, teacher you can ever have. So mm. I think like I said earlier, Course design for me has been such a learning process and I feel like, oh, well, I hope I always keep learning on it. So just being able to watch teams run and sort of adapt my course design 
how people run. You know, see, oh, well, this sequence is navigated well. I can put that in my next course, but change it up a little or do this and that or whatever. And just, yeah, just being out there has been such an informative process. Was there something else to that question? I don't even remember. <laughs> I think it was just like me blabbing <laughs> and asking a question in a really long way. <laughs> yeah, we might have forgotten to tell you that Michelle and I enjoy some libations during this. <laughs> well, same here. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> so, yeah. Let's see. And then uh, I think the last one that we're curious about, are you a judge for any other organizations? Oh, yeah. yeah, so just just AKC. I feel like that's plenty for me right now. Yeah. Especially yeah. with the like alleged 30-plus assignments I may or may not have depending on COVID over the next you know 12 months. Well, that in USDAA is pretty much shelved for now. They're doing the at-home. UKI is starting to come back in our area. But I, right. I, I was always surprised. I'm not surprised that you don't judge for more organizations because you're a terrific judge and you are judging a lot for AKC. But I am always surprised at the amount of judges I see that are UKI or USDAA as well. Same um, here. And, yeah. and that like run multiple dogs. Yeah. And judge yeah. Yeah. Like, I, I like don't Shayla, know like, Shayla oh. is USDAA and AKC and runs, you know, very active in running multiple dogs. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so props to them. I don't know how they do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, I think that covers all we had. Is there anything else you would like to share with our audience? Mm. The airwaves are yours. <laughs> <laughs> See you all at a trial soon. Yes. <laughs> yes. yes. Fingers We're... crossed we can, like, pull off uh, 2021 a bit better than 2020 well my favorite meme somebody posted the other day is mm-hmm. i'd like a return i've experienced my seven day free trial of 2021 yes. and i want my money back oh, I, saw that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean to some extent we have to understand 2021 is going to run a lot like 2020 until the vaccine's under course i it do really is i am positive i'm seeing more people than i thought getting the vaccine faster than i thought at least in in massachusetts so I know, certain, you know, each state is handling it differently and, and things will change come the 20th. But I definitely, I feel a bit more positive than I thought. I told myself June, we'll be okay by June. And that still might be realistic. But I have this little glimmer of hope that it might be sooner. It just might. It like might be. Bounced. Yeah. So, and, you know, I little things, not only trials, we're so fortunate, but there's so much we've we've adapted well i'm i am we did a a podcast on being adaptable and there's still some things here and there but i think we've simmered down and we've done a really good job being adaptable but i cannot wait until we can cheer again i've been watching like yeah this sounds so silly but sometimes i don't know if i cued or how well i did and i wait to hear a little clap Mm-hmm. And it's right yeah. there's no applause because there's no one ringside right so i like metric of whether you're cute or not right like the the one time i didn't hear my friends clap i thought i had just nailed this course i ran a jumpers course in 26 (laughs) seconds and i came out of the ring and i was like y'all didn't clap and my friends were like you missed an entire pinwheel (laughs) like (laughs) you didn't cue and i was like oh oh and so i because i'd been so conditioned to hearing the cheer and now you don't i'm like i don't you know have to wait for results right and then and it's we don't get our carbon copies work. anymore no. <laughs> right yeah especially worse if you have a weird judge like me who doesn't applaud after runs because he doesn't want to wear out his hands well then that clapping okay <laughs> so mark upshaw invitationals i know we're gonna end soon but mark upshaw invitationals last year the man hard clapped at every run i don't know how they weren't thumping by the i that man, it was insane. It was insane. Um, but I get it. And I heard, correct me if I'm wrong, you're actually not supposed to say things like nice try or good job. or You can say good job, but you're not supposed to allude to whether the exhibitor cute or not, correct? You're not supposed to, or you're not supposed to show like, uh, you know, favoritism or whatever that, you know, that type of thing. Or yeah. Um, I haven't seen favoritism. I mean, maybe. Yeah, like, same. Yeah. It's mostly just, I'll hear a judge say, you know, nice try or good job and i'm like i mean sometimes i'll have someone i'll have someone look back you know if there was like say a marginal contact performance or whatever and they'll look back and you know be like oh did did i get it or whatever and i'll just you know give a nod or whatever and well we have we have (laughs) a friend (laughs) linda McHugh. did i pass did i pass she would sometimes (laughs) ask the judges it was right or or, or i'll be like you know they'll, they'll be finishing up and like leaving the ring and i'll see this little like conversation happening about like oh did you cue or whatever and if you just look over and kind of nod or something <laughs> yeah i've done like that 
a lot of I've stress. done that to a few ring crew have come out and I'm like, did he call oh, me? Oh, yeah. I do it all. Did they call oh, anything? Oh, I have definitely done that. Or like, like a leash runner that's still hanging by. I'm like, did, did they did they call that? I know. And then 90% yeah. of the time, 90% of the time, the leash runner goes, I wasn't watching. I'm like, what were you doing? <laughs> but I get it. I get in leash run mode and I'm looking at friends. I'm looking at the floor. I'm looking at my phone. I'm not paying attention. So. For sure. No, it's the same thing when I'm judging. I'm in the ring. I hardly ever see anything happening outside. You know, someone would be like, oh, did you see that dog escaped and did whatever? I'm like, no, I was judging. <laughs> no, I was in the middle of the ring judging. Unless it came yeah. in the ring, I didn't see it. Yep. <laughs> All right, Zach. Well, we can't thank you enough. We've taken plenty of your time. This was awesome. We're excited. You're, you're kicking off our judging series. I think judges obviously are instrumental to the sport, but it's really nice to get your opinion. Uh, you know, I, I think Michelle and I made it very clear. We love your courses. <laughs> Please come to <laughs> New England whenever you can. When the pandemic is lifted, I will be traveling to wherever you are. So, yeah, I hope you have a wonderful rest of your evening. And thank you again. Yeah, awesome. thank you thank so you much. Again. Seriously, it was a real pleasure. This was fun. Hey, Agility Addicts. Thanks so much, as always, for listening. We hope that you will rate, review, and subscribe our podcast. Check us out on Facebook and Instagram at StartlinePod. And, of course, you can send us an email anytime to startlinepod at gmail.com. Thanks again to Zach for coming on and our sponsors for allowing us to bring this show to you. Mm-hmm.